Welcome, everybody, to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast. I'm Charlie, joined by my regular co-hosts, Haley and Miguel. And we are a show about creators and about the creator economy. And today we're going to talk about something that, honestly, I think every creator struggles with. I'm curious to hear if that is different. So please sound off in the live chat if this isn't something you deal with. We're going to talk about the content hamster wheel. This like feeling that all you're doing is creating content, moving on to the next piece as soon as one thing is out and feeling sort of like stuck in that production cycle. I'm excited to talk to you two about it today, but how are we going? How's how's your week been? Pretty good. Pretty good. I am super stoked to be hosting with you, ladies. It is- uh... Both of us this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is- See, I tried so hard last week, friends. <laughs> no, no, that's true. You even popped in for like a hot second. For those of you who are on video, you saw Haley. <laughs> and we did not address her at all because Miguel was in the nope. middle of a sentence and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Internet was not my friend last week. But we've got her this week. I love that we do this on Wednesday because it really kind of helps break up the week and it's a lot of fun. It's very different from anything else I get to do at ConvertKit. So super stoked. How are you, Haley? Doing pretty good. It was a good week. Also, we had a long three-day weekend, you know, so it's always fun having... Every time I have a three-day weekend, I still get mad at the whomever, Americans, non-American, whatever. I don't know the full story. I've heard it once, but I don't remember who directly is responsible for the five-day work week. It still frustrates me. It's like four-day work week is way better for work-life balance. And you can be really productive in four days when you have three days of rest. So... Oh my God, I'm so glad you brought this up. We're going to go on a little sidebar. Sorry, Charlie. So (laughs) uh, no, I've been listening to some podcasts about this too. And it really kind of gets me fired up because first of all, so it used to be like people work six, seven days a week. And then like labor unions were like, no, we need some rest. So like it was originally supposed to be like, there's no like science or anything behind the fact that we work 40 hours a week. And that's considered like a full week's work. It's just like this arbitrary thing that everybody in the 1930s like decided like, all right, well, this is a fair compromise. I guess this is what we get for now. And that was like a hundred years ago. And uh, it's just kind of time to rethink it a tiny bit, maybe. Like, are we just doing this because we've done it, always done it this way? Mm -hmm, And it's mm -hmm. just like momentum. And we're just like, we've never known anything else. It's kind of like remote work. So, you know, COVID happened and everybody was forced to go remote. And they're like, how the heck do we do this? How do we be remote companies? And then they realized after months in that people were actually more productive and they were just overall generally happier, right? Because they were working from home and their work-life balance was better. And obviously there are those groups of people that have to be near and like with people, but for a large majority of the workforce, especially if they have kids, like a work from home life setting, it was just, they had to learn how to do it, you know? But COVID Mm. is the thing that pushed people over the edge to actually experience it firsthand. So I'm like, what could put us in a situation where we're required, like, to work world only four <laughs> days. Test yeah. this only four days. And then we can like test the benefits of working only four days. So let's say like they still want 40 hours out of you every single week. You know, if someone said, all right, fine. If they give you the option to work 10 hour days and just do four tens, I would 100% do that. I could push myself a little bit longer every day just so I would have an whole extra day off. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, 90% of the time I probably do work 10 hour days. Like if you add up all of the collective time that I spend addressing convert kit things, I'd probably work 10 hour days 
Yeah, I'd say 75 to 90% of the time. I don't like work being tied to a certain number of hours. I'm not a fan of the 40-hour work week as a concept, and I don't believe that Agreed. if you work eight-hour days or less than eight hours, like, I don't know, you can be super productive in six hours and get all your work done. But if you've got to work eight, you, you can make it take longer, you know? I would take, though, like a 20% salary cut to work only four-day weeks. You know, just throwing that out there as another option. That's an interesting <laughs> approach. Yeah, I, I would consider that too. I'm a fan of the four-hour work week. That sounds cool too. Yeah, so. that sounds even better. Let's just do that. Yeah, let's, let's just do the Tim Ferriss thing. There's a benefit. I think when they released like our new benefits, it hasn't been like fully decided yet or figured out yet, but there's going to be some sort of working parent benefit, right? Where they either stipend for childcare. It's going to be something along those lines. I would rather not take that and just get the day, get like an extra a, a day that I could, you know, whatever. That's, I would rather that have, like have my schedule be adapted to a four hour, four day. This is a really side tangent that I just this really is a tangent. Should we try and wrap it around somehow? <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. You should advocate for this. Once you start advocating for it, Miguel and I can jump in and continue to advocate for it. And then we can check back in a year on the podcast and see where we're at. And you this. know how we're going. <laughs> Deal. But to your point, Charlie, the whole like arbitrary X amount of hours equals good work done is such a like a punch in, punch out kind of like mm-hmm. factory worker kind of mentality. And honestly, like nowadays, it's not about like, because back then it was like, how much output can you have? Or I can do, I can make 10 of these every hour. So the more hours I work, the more I make. But like now it's like goal driven. So if these are my goals and those goals are, are how I measure my success, if I complete them in 40 hours, cool. If I complete them in 32, cool. I still completed my goals and that's still success. So who gives a shit how long it took me? to complete that goal. I want to know the podcast that you were listening to. Drop those in the chat, maybe. Oh, yeah. This one was Today Explained, which is by Vox. So it's, uh, it's really good. That sounds good. Yeah, it's a daily podcast, and they just like deep dive into whatever is really going on right now. But sometimes they just talk about things like this, like the four-hour work week. It's not a current event, but it's like currently on people's minds and stuff. So Yeah, my husband works four tens, and I love that. It's a thousand times better than the five, eight work, five days a week, eight hours a day type thing. But also I do think that there's a strong connection to our topic today on this because it's about the hamster wheel. Okay, bring right? it back, Haley. Make no, that no, connection. No, you, you take it, you go, take it. This is, this is your topic, but I'm just connecting the dots here. You know, it really does <laughs> connect, okay? Okay, I don't know. I guess if I had an extra day of my own time in the week, then maybe the hamster wheel wouldn't be such an issue for me because I would have more of like my own time available, you know? There we go. Boom. There it is. She just five degrees Kevin baconed it all the way back. Yeah. I was just going to say that the five day work week is the hamster wheel itself. Oh, nice. Well done. Okay. Love it. Back on topic. What are your thoughts on this, you two, this, this hamster wheel feel? Do you feel it with the things that you do? Is it like a thing you go through phases of feeling? That's what it is for me. It was kind of a leading question in that way. There's times where my content production feels like a hamster wheel. There's time where it feels balanced with all the other things that I want to work on. What's it like for you? So I try to be very purposeful about what I do in that it's not something that feels like I'm just feeling like I'm on a hamster wheel. So if I'm like emotionally invested in something and I'm really excited about it and it doesn't feel like a drag, then it does, It feels less like a hamster wheel, even though it very well might be something where I'm constantly mm. putting something out. If I'm excited to put something out and it doesn't really feel like I'm trying to figure out, oh, I have to put something out today. What's it going to be? I don't know. I need to come up with something quick. I have a deadline. 
if I lay it all out and I come up with a bunch of really good ideas that I get excited to make content about them, then it kind of helps negate some of that, like going through the motions kind of a feeling that it might be like. And also, we talked about this a little bit last week, whatever it is that you decide to pursue as a side hustle, make sure it's something that you're super passionate about because it's something you're going to go back to over and over and over again. And you don't ever want that something you go back to, to be something that you're just like, ah, shit, here we go. I I committed to this. I said I was going to do this, so I'm going to do it, but I'm going to drag my feet every second. What do you think? I have experienced this quite a bit over the last 18 months, but it's been cyclical. So when I first launched Creator Sessions, right, one of the things that they had, we were releasing them once a week, right? And that was just like, I I didn't have any time or opportunity to iterate on the process or iterate on the content. And so my first kind of takeaway from that, right, is as far as releasing, like when you're releasing content, like for me, I had to scale back in order for me to change and get better. And that meant us going to a bi-monthly or bi-weekly, whatever. I never get that right. (laughs) Fortnightly. Fortnightly, yeah. (laughs) The English people have a word for this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fortnightly. And that really helped me. And then that was kind of like the first, you know, four, six months, right, of my, the creator sessions timeline, as far as like how I felt there. And then I moved into a situation like, you know, where we got into more of a schedule. And then I experienced getting on the hamster wheel, like, for a totally different reason, whether it was the way that we were editing them and how long it took us to edit and produce an entire session and release it. And it felt like I was stuck in that period for like Mm. four or five months, right? Charlie can attest to this, but there were several times where we had a session that was about to go live and Google blocked it from being promoted because of something that we didn't have a backup episode or there was something that was happening, right? And it was because we were really taking the entire full two weeks between sessions to get an episode ready. So then I had to iterate, like iterate for that. And I've learned a lot of various small lessons that have kind of gotten me to the point where I'm at now. And that includes like outsourcing and batching. And now I'm in a way better place. But I think the most important takeaway from all of this is that you have to like, as you're releasing content, you have to have enough time to iterate on the process. So you're not stuck in that situation where you're just like, you know, right up to the deadline, releasing, releasing content, Mm -hmm. unless you have time to do that you're inevitably going to get stuck on that that wheel. Totally. And it's not just about iterating on the content you are putting out and having the time and space to like try things and make it better. But for me as well as a creator, it's about wanting to do more than just create content, you know? Like I feel like my YouTube channel and, you know, blog post newsletter things like that, they're my ways that I'm building an audience, but I have bigger goals of like things I want to create and pitch to this audience, right? And I find myself in a pattern where I'm just constantly just thinking about the videos, thinking about the newsletter, and that takes priority over the more longer term goals I have or the things I want to work on because they are more more recent and they're more frequent and that feels like go, 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 they need my attention now or it's this longer term thing, there's no deadline. So it can be put off and that's when I feel like I'm in a hamster wheel, when I don't have time for other stuff that's important to me because all I'm able to do is create content. Charlie, do you feel like, you know, balancing out those two things, do you feel you have to be very methodical about what you're doing? And yes, the goal is to grow your audience, but is it sometimes hard to remember that that's not the only goal Mm. or the ultimate goal? Yeah. Because it's also very different for you. You kind of have an audience and that sort of fluctuates in size, but but people Mm -hmm. that are trying to create an audience 
creating that audience might be the goal, at least for now. But once yeah. you have that audience, you start to transition away from the goal is to get as many people to watch this, click on this, see this. And the goal is more like, all right, well, now that I have that audience, can I spread my wings a little bit more and kind of shift my focus a little bit? Yeah, that's a good point. And you're right that the goal sort of shifts, but you do still have to, like, you can't just grow an audience and be like, done, grew it, you know, got yeah. the numbers now. You've <laughs> got to keep talking to them, right? And keep releasing things that they'll be interested in. Otherwise, either they'll leave, they'll like unsubscribe or unfollow or whatever, or when you do finally have something that you're proud of to share with them, they will have forgotten who you are or like won't be interested anymore because you haven't kept talking <laughs> to them and, and showing up for them, I guess, in a way. So it's kind of like yeah. this commitment that you make to yourself and to your audience that no one's really holding you to, but you hold yourself to because you know it's going to lead to the the greater goals in the end. Yeah. And I have a question about that. So much like how TV shows have seasons where they're on for a while and then they're not, and then they're on for a while again. And I know that YouTube accounts do this as well, or podcasts will have seasons and things like that. Is that like a really good way to sort of not constantly feel like you're on a hamster wheel and constantly having to put things out is maybe you can set things up where you have a season of content that comes out and then you can have a, a period in time where you don't. I know the YouTube algorithm probably doesn't like that because it's all about pump out stuff. And if mm. you stop pumping out, then you are penalized. But is there a way that that type of content creation and output can be done in a way that, that the YouTube algorithm doesn't penalize you for as much to do it? I don't know what I'm saying, but. I mean, I wonder though, if as far as if you're trying to appease or appeal to the YouTube algorithm, right? Batching your work seems like a better choice to do that and continue to release it on a, you know, a period of time rather than having it be on like seasonality. Because if you batch your work, the goal, at least like for me, for example, I am done with every single creator session. Every creator session is shot and produced for the entire year, you know, so I don't have to go out and shoot and get behind and, and whatnot. And that has allowed me to you know, get ahead of the schedule and then I can continue to release them. So it appeals to the YouTube algorithm, but I'm not in that constant state. So for me, that's the solution on if you're thinking like talking YouTube specifically, if you're producing content that's like on TV, that feels like it's the norm. You know, yeah. it's like nothing is on during Christmas except for Christmas specials. You know, it's so sad. <laughs> or the office reruns if you're in my house. But there you go. And all, all the right. office Christmas specials. I think batching is the answer to that. And it's really good if you can build a habit of planning in advance, filming in advance, or creating, you know, writing in advance, whatever it is that you're doing. But seasons are not a bad approach either, Miguel. I like that you brought that up. That is what I'm doing with my show Inside Marketing Design, this interview series. I'm doing that in seasons. One a year. 12 episodes in each season. So it's like the YouTube algorithm isn't going to love it, but I'm hoping that it works to build my reputation in the design industry, you know, as like an expert or go-to source for materials on marketing design. So it's serving that need, even if it's not serving the YouTube algorithm. And that's okay too, you know, because I don't want to be beholden to that at all times. <laughs> so that's, what, that's why I think it's bad to get yourself stuck in the hamster wheel is because it doesn't let you improve things or go after greater goals. And I think there's a difference too between doing something weekly or like on a regular cadence and being stuck in a hamster wheel. Because like Miguel said, if you're really passionate about a thing, it might not feel like you're stuck in anything as you're creating it weekly or you know monthly, however much your cadence is. So maybe there's other contributing factors that like feeling general sense that you don't have time and that you have to do this is what leads to the hamster wheel side of things. 
what were some signs for you, Haley, that you were you were stuck in that when you were for those few months you said about creative sessions? I mean, I was just, it was like a constant state of overwhelm, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for yeah, us, it was like, idea. there's a series of like checklists, right? Or things that I had to get done for every single episode. And like that includes everything from like booking to negotiating to, you know, licensing to contract negotiation and contract red lines and all these things. And so I got into the state where we were just booking one by one by one, you know, and then we were having to like send equipment out. Like if you're talking about like during COVID and whatnot. And in order for me to get out of that, it was like, one of the things that allowed me to do that was our most recent trip to Nashville, where we booked six sessions in a row. And that really informed like the entire remainder of the year and allowed me to say, okay, in a period of four days or three days, we're going to film all five of these sessions. And I was able to like create a schedule and put that all together. And it really helped not just me, but it helped everybody on my team hereafter, right? So Henry, from an editing perspective, you know, my creative VA, Haley. And that was, has been really helpful for me as far as just like getting ahead of the schedule. Like batching has really been my ultimate solution for that. But I think the reason why it's been really helpful to me is because I don't see just creator sessions just being the video component. You know, Mm -hmm. as you know, I'm planning on releasing a podcast. We've got the first episode done and we just started working with a PR team as well. So I knew I wanted to do those things, but I was unable to do them because I was stuck in this place where I was working in two week cycles to get the next episode released. And there were constant red flags that were coming up because I couldn't get ahead of things. And now that I'm so far ahead, I can actually focus on things that are going to challenge and make the entire ecosystem of all the things creator sessions flow much better. So when you're batching, it does feel like, like this is a lot of work at one time, you know, that I'm trying to do all this at once, but did it help you get through it knowing that, okay, I'm doing this so that I then have the freedom to focus on these other things. Yes. Though it was funny when we went to Nashville, it was like, I did not know if it was going to work, right? We were filming like two sessions a day and then we'd have a break and have one session and two sessions another day. And it was a lot of back-to-back work. Henry, our filmmaker, right? He's using his gimbal and a heavy, you know, in a situation and you're like, it's physical, really physical work. And so we were also trying to learn like, does this actually work for what we're Mm. trying to do? Like, can we batch creator sessions? or not, right? You know, can we film two sessions in one day? And so it was a huge learning curve for me. And we've obviously figured out that we could, you know, we could do it. But it was great for me at the end, because as I was planning and putting together my schedule, I was like, hey, this is going to work. But it also informed like, okay, what is the actual reality of what we can accomplish in a batch session? So now I have like, okay, in three days, I can shoot this many sessions, this is what the schedule looks like. This is how long each session is going to take. They need to be within three miles, five, 10 miles between Mm. the two of them. Okay. We need to have this, like, this is the lunch break. This is what lighting looks like. So it has to start at this time and end at this time. You know, there were all these little things that I had learned as part of that. So it's, you know, I don't know if I answered just your question. No, I think you did. And that's good. Have more context on batching as well. When I batch create things, I'm production team of one doing it me myself and I and I find that I have similar things to you where I've learned over the years what needs to happen in order for me to batch content I need to have planned in advance like written scripts mostly and I actually it just arrived today I bought a teleprompter to help me get better with batch filming in future but yeah I need to have planned it all in advance I need to like honestly the the second factor is just be in the mood for it (laughs) like it is really hard for me to 
film videos like I try and do maybe like four in a day has been the max that I've managed to do of myself and I have to be in the right mood to be able to do that because otherwise I just get frustrated at myself and discouraged and that does not make for good content so you know mood is important there. Yeah, that is an understatement. I film at, at our studio, right? And I will write out all of the content for like our studio and all or for, you know, the intros and outros for the creator sessions. <laughs> and I think the most I've done is five. And it was when Henry was actually here and we were trying to set up, we were changing the cameras and we were using a slider. And so we were adjusting quite a few things. And so I really wanted to make sure that Henry was in charge and we weren't actually using the team at the studio so that they all looked the same and whatnot and we had a standard moving forward. So we really wanted to get them all done while Henry was here. But man, I mean, by the fifth one, I was like, my face, like smiling while talking, I couldn't do it. I was like, my, my, my face was straight faced. And I was like, Tyler, you know, Tyler Hilton is on creator sessions today. And just, <laughs> Actually, just roll the tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> roll the tape. But, you know, like I really had to pick myself up because sometimes it's really challenging to do that. And so to that point, like the takeaway from that is you got to figure out like what your max is, what you can mm. actually do. So you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you say, okay, I can do five of these. You said you've done four. I could do five. However many it looks like, what is the break? Like, what does my schedule actually have to look like in order for me to create good content while doing this? Or else you're going to be in a situation where Henry's like, Haley, come on, pick it up. Smile yes. while you're talking. Come on, you got this. You know, <laughs> he wasn't quite that aggressive, but you know, I can't imagine Henry being that aggressive. No, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't, but you know, you get the point. I like this comment from Melanie. Melanie says that she found herself miserable in the hamster wheel too. So yeah, I'm glad that it's not just us. Took a break from YouTube, came back happier. Subscribers didn't leave. She's still getting views. It wasn't the end of the world. I'm curious, Melanie, what changed for you in that break? Was it just having the time off? Did you change anything about the way you created content when you came back? Because I am feeling this right now too. I took a break from YouTube over the summer from filming and editing and uploading videos. And I started filming again this weekend and I feel really happy to be back as well. I feel like invigorated by content again. And also I feel like I'm committing to myself. I'm gonna be more organized. I'm gonna batch film so that I'm not scrambling last minute and feeling like I'm on the hamster wheel. And you know what? Maybe when I fall off that organization pattern and I feel like I'm back on it again, maybe it's just a sign I need another break. I don't know. I think it's really important that we point out that it's the motivation behind what you're doing that puts the heart behind what you're doing. If my motivation is, I said I was going to do this every week, so I'm going to do this every week, that probably is not going to produce the kind of results that you'd probably want to hope for. But if the motivation is, I feel recharged, excited to get back into it, I have a lot of great ideas, what's going to come out of that is going to be so much better than just, I got to do it because it's, this is what I do. So I totally hear what she's saying. And one important thing to point out is she said the subscribers didn't leave. So if that's what something you're worried about, it's like, that's not how it works. Like, it's not like if you stop putting out stuff that, you know, YouTube just starts cleaning out your, your subscribers, yeah. <laughs> first of all. Oh, you don't want to use these anymore? Great. We'll go put them somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're done now. That's not how that works. I, I don't know about you, but. I know that you can go to the things you're subscribed to in YouTube and go ahead and clean them out and unsubscribe. But I don't know that many people are taking the time to prune their subscription list unless like they're really just tired of getting stuff that they don't like, but you're not putting stuff out. So that's not your problem. Yep. So it might be okay to just take a break and it's not the end of the world. So I'm glad she pointed that out. This is interesting. Chris says that they're trying to get on a hamster wheel. <laughs> and I feel like maybe I want to call out that there's a difference between creating consistently 
and <laughs> being on a hamster wheel. Because to me, when I say that, I mean like the hamster wheel is a thing where like you have to keep running on it or it's going to stop turning, you know? And you can create content consistently without being in that mode. I'm like, for the audio listeners, I'm like doing some hamster arms right now and like, Really? I thought it was like a little T-Rex, but it's the same thing. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) I heavily agree with that, Charlie. I feel like when I first launched creator sessions, I couldn't have done or tried to do anything else that I wanted to do because I just didn't have the time capacity or energy to do anything else, but get the neck back, like the following session. The next thing out. Yeah. The shit. And that to me is the hamster wheel. It's like, you have to be able to get off the wheel, you know, so you can inform and the hamster wheel, the wheel just turns going. It just turns itself. And I finally feel like I'm at that place ish, you know, I definitely, but that's a different, there are two different Mm -hmm. types of hamster wheels. Like it's like a solar powered one, you know, that just continues to go. Powered by the content. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Something that I know Haley helped you with your hamster wheel issue. And it also helped with mine is outsourcing. And I think we've talked about this on a show before. We've done enough episodes now that, yeah, that I don't remember. We have Chloe, but I also have Nancy, who I hired to edit my videos. That was my first, like, okay, I'm on this hamster wheel because I'm like filming, then editing, then uploading, and that's all my free time for the week gone. And so handing off a portion of that was really, really helpful for me. And I would highly recommend it if you can afford to in your creative business to outsource parts that are draining you to free up your time because in doing that I was able to put my focus other other places and it was a huge help. Let's break this down into like some of these practical questions Charlie that you had posted for us to review. Basically the first question was is why should we avoid the content hamster wheel because then you're not productive and and you feel stuck. You feel totally stuck. It's not a good mindset to be in. Yeah, and then what are some signs that you're actually stuck in the hamster wheel is that you can't do anything new. My like overview is that you can't do anything new because you're just, you're stuck. If you, if you get off the hamster wheel, the hamster wheel is going to stop. And so ask yourself that question. If you get off the hamster wheel, is the hamster wheel going to continue to go? And then, you know, there you have your, your question. I want someone to do a count of how many times we've said hamster wheel during this. Please don't. <laughs> this is like Alan Iverson's. This is like my favorite, you know, about practice. Have you guys ever seen that video? No, nope. come on. No basketball fans in here. Alan Iverson is talking about practice. And he's like, it's like practice. Like nobody loves the game. You know, it's a practice. It's just, you know, practice. And he continues to go on and he says practice that way pretty much every time. He's like, it's not the game that you love. It's practice. Sorry. All right. (laughs) It's hamster wheel. Yeah. But, Uh, but. No, no, wait, I want to add on that, the signs that you're stuck in it, because you called out overwhelm as one of them, which I think is really important. If the thing you're creating, Miguel talked about passion and motivation If you're feeling more overwhelmed by it than you are like loving it, feeling passionate about it, you might be stuck in a hamster wheel. Yeah. Oh, that's a good call out. And then finally, Charlie, you proposed, you said, how can you get out of it? And so I know for me, just to like bullet kind of bullet point the things that we've already discussed, it was outsourcing. You know, we hired Haley, who's our creative VA, and she's incredible. And she's helped me pass on a ton of things that were holding Mm -hmm. me back. We implemented a tool called Monday, which is really good for content production. We actually now use it as a growth team as well. And so it's a great free tool. If anybody's interested, you look that up, monday.com. Simplifying production was one of the things that you had called out, Charlie. And then choosing where to put your focus. Asking yourself, are these things that are overwhelming me really where I should be putting my time? You know, something that I still feel guilty about is that I stopped putting focus on my Patreon because it wasn't what I was feeling passionate about. 
Uh, I stopped thinking about that on a weekly basis. I need to like fully close it down and just like tell everybody, just leave, it's fine, go somewhere else. But I don't know, I haven't done anything with it for ages because I was feeling stuck in a hamster wheel with that, you know? And that was meant to be a source of income to help feed my content, but instead it just created its own stream of content. So yeah, I chose not to focus on it and I have felt better and less hamster wheely because now I, that's a word <laughs> since then. <laughs> That's so interesting that I never thought of that, but that makes so much sense that the fact that it ended up being like its own commitment and it kind of like its own headache mm -hmm. where it was meant to like, oh, well, this will feed this content production because it'll bring in some extra revenue. But actually, because you have to do like, I imagine you were doing like Patreon exclusives to like make people feel like, well, if you're paying for it, you get extra stuff that no one else gets. But then like, oh man, that sounds like a nightmare. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Live calls and like, yeah, stuff like that. It was a lot. And it was all my own doing. Maybe that's another episode, you know, like let's go through my Patreon mistakes in a future episode. <laughs> I would be fascinated to do that. I know you're kind of joking, but. No, I mean, I wasn't fully joking. I'm sure every creator out there is kicking around the idea of a Patreon because it's like a very appealing mm -hmm, way mm -hmm. of and direct way of saying like, well, this is a way that I can get direct payments for the stuff that I'm doing. And you know, obviously that's that comes with its own obvious benefits and it sounds like a great idea, but maybe there's like, you know, the stuff that's not on the label that you've learned. So let's do it. Let's make that a future episode. I can pull like happy to share all my revenue from it and like how I launched it and all that as well. Let's talk about that and, and the eventual hamster wheel it led to as well. <laughs> I remember that, Charlie, in Slack, you were the day that you launched it and you were like, mm -hmm. I've gotten... I was so excited. And patrons. Yep. And this is the dollar amount. It was, mm -hmm. I remember watching that as the day went on, watching your, your kind of number climb and you being shocked, maybe is the best word to say, you know, as you're watching, as you're watching it, you're like, I didn't think that this was possible. I'm super surprised. So seeing kind of from that moment, I'd love to, you know, really dig into all the moments after that. Totally. It went from like excitement to guilt real fast, that Patreon. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, it must have felt really good. They're like, wow, these people are willing to part with their dollars. Yeah. Right now, directly to me. Like, that has to be mm -hmm. such a really good feeling as a creator. It was it's a good like feeling. Someone's just showing up and just handing you a $10 bill. And it's like, I love you. And you're just like, whoa. Yeah. But that was a good feeling. You're right. We should save this for a future episode because for sure yeah, right, there right, is right. so much to go into there. And yeah, let's talk about it. I guess I was joking, but okay, future episode, Patreon done. <laughs> Any more thoughts to add on the content hamster wheel before we wrap up here today? All right, did you just say hamster wheel? Practice. <laughs> Practice. I'm sorry, Mitchell in the in the he he said he posted the link. I don't know where it went, but if you have not seen that video, everyone needs to go watch it. It is so good. It's like an iconic sports reference video, and you'll never forget it. And we have to see it so that we understand Haley's references. Yeah. Fair enough. Thank you. Melanie brought up the the whole idea of buy me a coffee on Patreon, and it's becoming a more common thing. Even ConvertKit is launching the, something like this called a tip jar. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a, a cool thing where it's like maybe you're not marketing as like, if you give me money, you get stuff no one else gets. But maybe still people won't still want to support you, and it's not about getting the extra stuff. But maybe it's just a people buying you a coffee, or maybe somebody saw a video on YouTube and... They were like, you know, this is really cool. I would totally buy them a coffee because I really enjoyed that piece of content. So there are ways to kind of make your content be monetized without necessarily increasing your commitment or putting you on a second hamster wheel. So that's worth exploring too. Great note to end on. Yeah, I hope anyone out there, any creator listening who is feeling, I don't know, feeling like they're on the hamster wheel and like 
they can't work on all the things they need because there's so much other stuff that needs their attention. I hope this was helpful and I hope you get off soon and that you have a wheel that's solar powered, like Haley said, that will turn itself. <laughs> <laughs> also, try right. to implement that four day work week, you know, see yes. if that helps. Oh yeah, we're going back to that. Let's do it. <laughs> That's going to be a full episode right there. So I'm just going to click on the end screen. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, everybody. And we'll see you back next time. Please do join us live. We go live at 1230 Eastern time on youtube.com slash convertkit. And you should show up and join the chat. All right. That is my pitch. See you. Bye, friends. I love that everybody was in the chat so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.